Hey, welcome everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Newly Made Podcast. I'm your host, the Keith Meister, a.k.a. Chief Keith, a.k.a. any other name you can possibly think of. It's totally up to you. If you want to call me something, it's totally up to you. I'm fine with nicknames, you know, we're all fine with nicknames. I hope you're fine with nicknames, just like I'm fine with nicknames, you know, because I think having nicknames can be pretty cool, you know, if it's coming from a positive standpoint, you know. So uh, that song that was just playing in the background... Uh, that song uh, 
I want to give nothing but credit to uh, the band that wrote that song and the band that wrote that song and performed that song is known as Rush. Rush is, without a doubt, one of my all-time favorite rock bands ever. They're also one of the greatest uh, bands ever to come out of Canada, without a doubt. Just Rush is just something else, man. You know, even though um, compared to bands like Led Zeppelin, Queen, Deep Purple, Black Sabbath, and um, ACDC, Iron Maiden, and bands like that that came out during the late '60s and the 1970s, you know, Rush is totally in a league of their own, in my opinion. You know, because Rush is just um, Rush is a band I find that they're pretty hard. Like uh, Rush is the type of band that uh, is really hard for the average Joe to understand what their music is about. If you know what I mean, you know, because like when uh, Led Zeppelin and those bands came out, right? They were popular instantly, right? And uh, it wasn't because. Well, it was because they were really phenomenal, obviously, you know, but there was also a theme in pop culture that uh, those bands were attached to, you know, because during the late, late 1960s and early 1970s is when the Vietnam War was a big craze, right? So bands like Led Zeppelin and stuff like that, you know, came out and they were, their bands, they were bands that uh, were measuring up to peace, you know. And so there's a theme behind all the behind all that stuff, right? There's a theme, right? Rush didn't have a theme. Rush was exactly what their name was, Rush. You know, they they just did shit. You know, it even though their style of music uh, was fairly unpopular at first, especially in the United States and especially worldwide. You know, they tapped into something in Canada, and they brought a whole gener they brought a whole new. Uh, they brought a whole new sense of meaning and music to uh, an entire generation in Canada. You know, and that's why uh, I will forever be uh, grateful for the band Rush. Just because, uh, in their own right, they're extremely phenomenal. Like, when we look at Rush now, they're pretty popular. Like, if you look at Rush now, right, they're extremely popular. But, like, during their infancy and during their rise to fame... You know, Rush was pretty popular in Canada, but nobody really held a cup of tea to him just because, you know, it was a, it, like it was a part of the, like I said, like when the reason, big reason why uh, Led Zeppelin and all those bands were popular at the time, right, was because there was a theme behind it. You know, the Vietnam War was an extremely big thing and it was a big deal, right? So their music kind of represented that uh their music and their style of music kind of represented that form of uh, peace and equality that uh, was being used to fight against the Vietnam War, which is why um, that type of music was extremely popular, right? Progressive rock and genres like that uh, were pretty popular, right? But like Rush just did their own thing. There was no themes attached, right? Rush gave you what Rush had to give you, you know, and that was their style of music. You know, Getty Lee is like, he's a really underrated bass player. Uh, where I come from, he is a, a really uh, underrated bass player. You know, same with uh, Neil Peart. You know, Neil Peart, in my opinion, is in the discussion for greatest drummer of all time. You know, because, uh, Personally, I think um, if I was to say who was the greatest drummer that I've ever listened to, it's between John Bonham from Led Zeppelin, uh, the jazz drummer himself, uh, Buddy Rich, and of course Rush's very own Neil Peart, who uh, is just so phenomenal, you know. And that's why uh, when I caught wind and caught word that in uh, t in uh, 2020 that he passed away from a uh, Unfortunately, he was suffering from uh, brain cancer, right, which is nasty stuff, you know, and it's, I can't imagine what his family and everyone must have been going through during that time.
you know, but unfortunately, yeah, he um, passed away and he is no longer uh, with us on the planet anymore. You know, and uh, Neil Pert, wherever you are, man, you are, in my, you are the greatest drummer ever. You'll always be the greatest drummer ever. And I'm sure everyone around the world knows you're the greatest drummer ever. You know. Because like I said, you know, like Rush wasn't the most popular band during their rise to fame. You know, just because their music was just so, so statistically different compared to guys like Led Zeppelin and, you know, bands like that. You know, but Rush was their own. They came into their own and they were their own thing, you know. And you can't knock them for it because, you know, they played music the way, you know, they wanted to. You know, and f because of that, you know, to this day, we've gotten such great songs from them, like Spirit of the Radio, a song you guys were just listening to from their album, uh, Moving Pictures, Tom Sawyer, and then there was Limelight, which was also from Tom Sawyer, and then uh, Working Man from their debut album, Rush. You know, Rush was just so different, you know. Because uh, Rush wasn't compared to nobody, you know. And that's kind of the funny thing, right? Led Zeppelin, when they first came out, you know, they were compared to the Beatles, right? When Black Sabbath came out, same thing. They were compared to uh, bands like Steppenwolf, who um, had heavy metal songs, but they weren't, like, heavy metal directly, you know. Rush was, wasn't ever really, or at least from my memory, never really compared to no band, right? And the reason, and it wasn't because they sucked. It was because they were just so statistically different from everybody, you know. Like, and also, too, like, there's no divided fan base with, uh, with Rush, you know. It's either you like them or you don't. You know, with bands like Led Zeppelin and uh, all those greatest great bands like that, you know, every band had at least one or a couple of songs, you know, like somebody would not really be like into the band directly, but they would like some of their songs, right? It wasn't like that for Rush. It wasn't like that for at all. It's either you were a fan or you weren't. It's either you listened to their stuff or you didn't. You know, there is just, there is no in between, you know, there is just, it's either you listen to them and you like them and you're a fan or you don't like them, you don't listen to them and you're not a fan. You know, there is no, uh, there is, there is only those, there was basically only those two options, you know, which in a way is actually kind of amazing to think about, right? Because it just shows how straightforward they were as musicians, but it also just shows just how uh, interesting they were as a band. You know, because they were pretty interesting, man. Like, Neil Peart and Geddy Lee, like, uh, those two, man, and the fact that they accomplished all that stuff just being a trio, like, it's insane, right? It's absolutely insane. I don't know that's kind of like that's kind of just something I, and, uh, I was wanting to talk about just because I've been kind of been on the rush train for a while, you know. I just say uh, I bought Moving Pictures, but I also um, bought their album Permanent Waves, which was uh, the album that came out before Moving Pictures, which had the song uh, Spirit of the Radio. Right, pretty amazing stuff. But, you know, also, too, like, um, you know, being, being someone being from Canada, you know, like, uh, a lot of people worldwide, and especially in the States, you know, Canadian bands weren't really as popular in the States at the time, and the reason why is because it was, they were Canadian bands. No, nobody in the States wanted to listen to Canadian bands. You know, because apparently Canadian bands had no good bands, and their and the Canadian the music that came out of Canada sucked, right? Rush kind of changed uh, the script a little bit, and they were like, no, 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 right? 
because uh, literally Neil Peart, who was uh, regarded as, he was actually voted as the greatest drummer of all time by uh, fans and people worldwide, you know, and people don't just make that assumption out of the, out of the blue, right? It's just after the years went on, right, and Rush became more popular uh, commercially and uh, artistically, right, people started to realize and appreciate uh, their talent and just how good they really were as musicians, you know, which they deserved. And I'm happy that, uh, you know, that they're looked at that now. So I'm not going to lie, a lot of Canadian bands got shit on by a lot of people around the world, and especially in the States. You know, Tragically Hip is one of them, you know. They never uh, reached popular, like, they never reached, you know, the success that they had in Canada, in the States, but nevertheless, you know, I remember uh, when Dan Aykroyd was on, uh, I remember watching in uh, a classic SNL um, episode where Dan Aykroyd was uh, on and he actually introduced the Tragically Hip as the uh, artist to sing in that uh, for the halftime thing on SNL which was sick you know actually yeah Gordon Downey the singer for uh, Tragically Hip he's also passed away I remember going um to Riverside Park to watch the live concert. One of their last, it was their last live concert. Hundreds of people, thousands of people in the park. And we're all just sitting there, you know, having a good time watching this dude on a super big screen that somebody placed there, you know, because he also was um, suffering from cancer. And they had one last, they had one last, uh, live show before he, um, he passed away. And I remember being there for that last live show. I remember watching it on the big screen and just being uh, just in awe because of just what I was seeing, just because of how amazing the Tragically Hip were. You know, like I said, I'm, I've been kind of... <laughs> Like, speaking about Rush, though, yeah, I've been kind of been on the Rush train. Everyone's always on a train, you know. Everyone's always on a train somewhere. I just generally like Rush. Not only as a band, but just as human beings. You know. I'm just happy that... Uh, they finally got the love and recognition and uh, the attention that they deserve, you know. Because for the longest period of time, right, they were just, they were only popular in Canada. And then it wasn't until, like, later on, like, in the late 70s, early 80s, when uh, they started becoming popular uh, worldwide. You know, because just in the States, I think they ended up selling, like, they were finally able to sell, like, uh, 20-something million copies. And then they sold roughly, like, 50 million, 45 to 50 million worldwide at this point. You know, which is pretty good. You know. Oh, just give give me a sec. Somebody uh, texted me. Yeah, because I uh, told my friend that I was going to be talking about Rush and some Canadian bands. What did he say? Hey, what about Nickelback? Fuck off. Yeah, yeah, no. No, not happening. I'm sorry that Nickelback is... Even though, uh, same thing, you know, they're pretty popular in terms of album sales. I just... I don't know. I feel like, compared to the Tragically Hip, Three Days Grace, and especially Rush, you know, and bands like that, I just feel so greasy when uh, I listen to a Nickelback because Nickelback is like a guilty pleasure almost. It feels like, even though they got really popular songs, like, look at this photograph or like, uh, how you remind me. I'm not saying they don't have bad songs because they don't. They actually have really good songs. It's just, I, 
I actually just I really couldn't listen to a Nickelback album just because it just I don't know compared to bands like Rush and like dudes like that that were doing like innovative shit. There, I just yeah, I just couldn't fucking bring myself to get into them. You know, which is funny because like it, I I thought it was just a joke when people would say that they are one of the most hated bands ever. But turns out, no, Rush, I meant, um, it's true. Nickelback actually is one of the most hated bands on the face of the earth. Which is funny, because when you go to places like Detroit, you know, because nothing good ever comes out of Detroit. <laughs> just kidding, no, forgive me for saying that, I'm just joking. I'm just joking, a lot of great things came out of Detroit. Uh, the Red Wings, uh, Joe Lewis, um, you know, talk about, like, the Joe Lewis Arena. Uh, Gordy Howe from hockey. Yeah, a lot of great things came out of Detroit. Eminem, you know, forgive me for saying that. <laughs> I was just joking. I was, I was just joking. I swear, I swear, I swear on it. Yeah, fuck. Fuck, where was I again? Oh yeah, Rush. Or Nickelback, no, yeah, the, I, like, I, I seen this funny joke where, uh, dudes are like, the only place that Nickelback is popular in is, uh, Detroit, you know, because there's this joke that's been going around where people say that there's nothing good in Detroit, you know, so I'm kind of like, I always laugh at that, because I'm like, oh wow, that's fucking, that's insane. Fuck, I got Tom Sawyer stuck in my head now, man. Forgive me. It's just Tom Sawyer. It's just such a really good song. It's a vibe, though, man. Like, it really is a vibe. R just Rush in general is just a r fucking vibe. I don't know how people cannot like Rush, though, man. Because like, I'm not going to lie. I've met a lot of people who literally despise Rush, but they love Neil Peart. And it's like, okay, yeah, because he's a drummer, so obviously, you know, when you listen to him drum, you think, Jesus, this dude's good. But why is he in a band with Rush? And it's like, because they're fucking awesome. That's why. Getty Lee, Neil Peart, and the singer. For some reason, I forgot his name, even though I shouldn't have. They were just a really good trio, man. Like, they just knew how to get shit done. Like, and their shit was really amazing. Like I said, like Tom Sawyer is one of the, to me, one of the greatest songs, period. It's one of the most innovative songs in terms of progressive rock. You know, it brought a different flow of energy. You know, and it's a song that uh, capt really captured the imagination of the early 1980s, you know. Plus, I was like one of their, uh, I think Moving Pictures actually is their best album statistically. I wouldn't really, I wouldn't really go as far as to say it's their best album. Personally, I think it's like my favorite album from them. Actually, no, no, fuck it. It is their best album. What am I talking about? How can I fucking, how can I betray the gods like that? No, it is their best album, hands down. Same with, uh, Permanent Waves, that's another great album of theirs. They just had so many great albums, man. Plus, like, Neil Peart's longevity on the drums, man. His durability and shit, like, I remember one album they made. It was something like 2000-something-something. It only had, I think it only had like four songs on it, but one of the songs was like 20-something minutes long, and it was literally just him just hammering on the skins, man. Because like, that's what, that's honestly what made Rush, um, to me, such an innovative band, you know, because they were one of the most experimental ever, you know, because even though they were strictly kind of like progressive rock, hard rock, to, you know... They took a lot of elements from their music and they just added on to it through each album that came up to. That's why there was always a follow-up album, you know. 
they were just like, oh, shit, we didn't do this. Oh, that's all right. We'll just do that for our next album. Oh, yeah, you're right. And then it was just like, they were just constantly just pumping out stuff. And they were just like adding, because like they would just write a bunch of shit, right? But they could only put so many songs on an album. So they they would be like, oh, okay, whatever, right? And literally, they were just like, okay, let's just put it on our next album, right? It would come out, and then their next album would be a hit. And they were just, they just had such great shit, man. You know? Especially, like, Spirit of the Radio, man. That's like, I wouldn't say it's everyone's favorite song, but, like, damn. You know, that song had some fucking deep shit, man. And it was just all around just a really fucking great song, no matter what. Like, literally. Ah, fuck. Thinking about Neil Peart actually makes me cry, man. You know, wherever he is, I hope uh, he's rocking with the greats. Yeah, because Neil Peart is exactly who he is. Neil Peart, greatest drummer of all time. Plus, I can't remember, like, how many countless summers. I remember, like, uh, I think, like, summer of 2016 was my most uh, influential summer in terms of uh, music. Because I remember that... Uh, year in the 2016 the summer of 2016 that was my most experimental year with music i'm not talking about like me writing music i mean like me listening to music you know because i was getting into the blues heavily by that time right but yeah and then i was just like i was on a big war path with uh the red hot chili peppers you know, it was Red Hot Chili Peppers, Rush, Tragically Hip, Iron Maiden, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath. Like, fuck. It was insane, man. Now that we're moving on to the fall, and it's going to be winter here pretty soon, fuck. I honestly, like, I, I fucking, I'm not going to say I hate snow. I don't hate snow, but, like, damn. As a as a black guy and as a native guy, we prefer the heat. Okay, simple as that. We prefer the heat. Like, we prefer the heat. Wait a second, my friend's texting me. What is he saying? You're not black. Fuck off. Ha ha ha. LOL. How many times we gotta go through this, buddy? <laughs> How many times we gotta go through this? I keep, oh my god, man, I keep telling this dude. We always go through this. He always tells me, he's like, nah, dude, you're white like the rest of us. I'm like, no, I am fucking not. I can guarantee you that, buddy. Right? Both of your parents are white, okay? My dad's native and my mom is black, okay? I don't know how many times we have to go through this, buddy. Like,. <laughs> Fuck you know what? Yeah, I'm just joking around, buddy. Like fuck. <laughs> That's funny. That's fucking hilarious, man. How many times we gotta go through this? <laughs> Clearly not enough. But hey, you know that's all right though. You know, because some at the end of the day, it's not about the color of our skin; it's about the content of our character. You know, Martin Luther King March on Washington D.C. Nothing more wiser than the shit that was coming out of that guy's mouth, man. Good old Dr. King. Honestly, man, if it wasn't for Martin Luther King, he is one of the most in, in one of the most influential and most important figures in history, but more importantly, also in the in the history of the civil rights movement during the nineteen sixties. Because if it really wasn't for him, you know we wouldn't be able to do what we a lot of us are able to do today you know it's because of the stand that he took and the sacrifices that he made which allows us you know to talk like this which allows us 
you know, to do what we do now, you know. That's actually why I have a a background. I have a a photo background of Martin Luther King and uh, Malcolm X. You know, because even though Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, even though there's a big divide between the followers of King and the followers of Malcolm X, you know, both of them are extremely important in the history of uh, the civil rights movement. You know, and especially how uh, a lot of the sacrifices they made affects the way things are today. You no, know, it both of their methods were extremely important in the development of the freedom and privileges that we now have as a society. You no. Know, Even though, like, uh, I could get into it, but I don't want to just because that's going to just have to be something for another podcast just because if I go down that hole now, it we're going to be here for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, sorry, the, excuse me. I'm not sure you guys heard that. Farted. Farted. Oh. <sighs> Fuck, you know. Even though the even though the amount of uh, shit that's going on in the world right now, you know, we live in one of the most, you know, and this is a true fact. We def we do live in one of the most difficult times in human history, you know, in terms of what's going on uh, worldwide. You know, like it is a fact, but at the same time, though. We still have to be grateful because even though we live in one of the worst times right now, you know, it's one of the times that we have the most privileges in. That's how I would, is how I'd word it, right? Because that's the one thing that always confused the shit out of me is when people like to throw the word freedom around like it's candy. They're like, oh yeah, we, we live in a free country, live free this, free that, you know, and it's just like, uh... If we lived in a free country, then that it's exactly what it would be. Free. Everything would be free. Housing would be free. Food would be free. Shit would be free. You know. Because so I'd be living in a free country, technically, if we want to get technical. I mean, that's why I don't really like it when people throw the word freedom around, because that is not true at all. Freedoms. Freedom. Having freedoms is different from having privileges. You know, having freedoms mean that there's nothing attached to it at all. It's exactly what it is. Freedom. Free. You know, you answer to yourself. There's no law, no nothing. It's free. You know, we have, uh, we've, we have, and, and we live with what we've always had, and that's temporary privileges, as George Carlin once uh, quoted. Because the governments and the banks basically run the world's economies. You know, they're changing and enforcing laws every day that will either benefit or discriminate society as a whole, depending on, you know, how it affects people or how you look at it. You know, because it's not freedom if somebody can just take it away instantly like that, you know, especially if it's through law. You know, that's why um, I prefer the term uh, privileges or temporary privileges, you know, because that's what it is. You know, there's no freedoms, it's privileges. And the reason why it's privileges is because there's people behind the scenes pulling the strings and enforcing laws and taking away laws. And they're changing things for better or for worse, you know. That's why it's really important that uh, people don't get that get that shit mixed up, you know. Because I think it's funny when fucking people <laughs> people run around and they just run their mouth off like that and they just say, "Oh yeah, I'm free, bitch. Do something about it." And it's like, "No, no, you're not." 
None of us are free, pal. None of us are free. We're literally just swimming in a cesspool of uh, of enforced laws and broken promises. You know, somewhere along the way, they've convinced us that we're free, but that's not the case. Our society is basically just running off of uh, temporarily privileges provided to us from the constitutional law of our country. Well, because I'll tell you what was free. The Aboriginal. They were free. But then they started colonizing in the North America. You know, they were taking away their land, taking away their homes... They're slaughtering them because of their skin. And at one point in time, they were even sending them to reservations, reservational schools. Or reservation... No, the... I just got that mixed up. The reservation is... Different thing. Residential. There we go. Residential. Forgive me. You know, at one point in time, they were sending them to residential schools. No, that is not free. At all. You know. But that's why it's still important that we're grateful for the privileges that we are given now. Because shit like that, people people like to think that because we have these privileges that history won't repeat itself. No. All it takes to change history is the will of one person. You know. That's all it takes is one person to manipulate an entire population of people into believing what he believes. And the next thing you know, we have a scenario like that on our hands again. That's why education is also extremely important, especially the history. Especially history. That's why I think history as a whole is one of the most, if not the most important subject, besides from math and uh, science you know because as human beings we don't realize that at times there are slip-ups and history does repeat itself you know and the reason why history eventually will repeat itself is because as it's going right now the education system is failing in public schools You know, because there is so much ground that a small amount of teachers have to try to cover in a single year. There's a lot of information that kids are actually not being taught at all. So essentially, the only thing they really know is that you get up early, you're there by 8 o'clock, you're there for 8 hours, right, just like a job. So they essentially train you to already know what it feels like to be in a work environment. You know, so that's why uh, if people care for their education, that's why people have to pursue their own uh, form of education if they're into history or things like that. Because most public schools at least from my experience, don't uh, dive into the deep, dark swamp of history because there's only so much each subject can cover a year. So you're only learning 25% of what's being given to you and you're missing out on 75% of what's not being given to you. You know... That's why, like, when some kids graduate, all they know how to do is just sign their name off on something, and that's about it. You know, I think, uh, I think it's a time, I think it's time that shit like that changes. You know, because look how bad things are going on right now, especially, like, from a worldwide perspective in terms of, like, protesting and, like, actually, no, those aren't protests, those are riots that are happening right now. Actually, you know what? No, I'm not going to get into that. Otherwise, I'll be here all night. No, no, no. I'm just going to, yeah, no. 
Reverse, reverse. (laughs) Just like this podcast, I'm just trying to get as much out as possible, but it, it is what it is. Actually speaking, curious now. Fucking Lakers aren't too bad this year, but kind of suck a little bit though at the same time. You know, I just think it's funny. The Lakers in the NBA have Carmelo. If anyone who knows basketball, they have Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. Right, a team like and Dwight Howard and Rajon Rondo, a team like that five to ten years ago would have been stellar, but uh, it's literally a t- it's it's a squad of veterans. We're in the purple and gold, man. If they win the championship this year, which is I don't think it's gonna happen. If they somehow win the championship this year, then I'll be like, okay, I'll take my hat off to him and say, damn, congratulations. Even though I don't think it's going to happen. Not that it's not an interesting team. It's just it would have been an, an, it would have been more interesting if it was like five to ten years ago. Because like, fuck, LeBron's like almost in his 20th season, I'm pretty sure. Westbrook is in his like 12th or 13th season, I think. Carmelo's like damn near in his like 20th season, too. It's like... It's like fuck, dude. <laughs> crazy. It's fucking crazy. Absolutely crazy. Still have hope for my uh, Detroit uh, Red Wings. Hopefully, they uh, can pull it off this year. Fucking uh, Dayton, if you're listening to this, fuck you. The Red Wings are gonna win this year. <laughs> I'm on. I'm not gonna lie. I'm actually Dayton. If you are listening to this, because I know you're gonna disagree with me. If I got a scenario for you, if the Red Wings and the Canucks somehow pull off and they meet each other in the conference final. Oh, no, because uh, Detroit's in the East now, I think. Yeah, so if they meet each other in the uh, in the NHL Stanley Cup Finals, bro, I'm actually kind of hoping that happens. I'm kind of hoping that happens. Because I'm, I'm convinced my Red Wings would mop the floor with your Canucks. Even though the Canucks are a better team, I still believe that there's a chance. So if you're listening to this, I'll see you in the Stanley Cup Final, my friend. Or, or we will see our teams in the Stanley Cup Final. <laughs> yeah, my last memory of the Detroit Red Wings in the Stanley Cup Final was in 2009 when they lost to Pittsburgh. <sighs> that fucking That fucking sucked so bad, man. Because in 2008... The tr- Nicholas Lidstrom and Pavel Datsuk and all those boys beat Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins, and then the Penguins came back the next year, and then they they beat the Red Wings, and that was the last time I seen my Red Wings in the Stanley Cup final. And I remember just being flooded with the grief, anger, and depression because I was like, oh. <laughs> I was just so upset by it, man. I was totally convinced, man, that the Red Wings were a way better team and shit. That's why I'm convinced that the NHL had it out for them. And they fucking did shit behind the scenes to make sure that the Pittsburgh Penguins won the cup. I'm I'm convinced that happens. I'm convinced that things like that happen at sports in general. 
you know, like I'm not going to go as far as to say that like they they pick teams to go to uh they hand pick teams and make sure that those specific teams make it to the finals. Like I don't believe that, but I do believe though that shareholders and the stock market guys and the NHL I believe that they do uh manipulate and alter uh the extension of uh playoff series if that's the right word playoff series certain playoff series you know because that's how they make money for uh, more commercials right especially if people betting on the games you know so they're like hey 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 Instead of allowing them to sweep them, how about we extend the series to seven games and make a shit ton of money off of ticket sales and commercials and advertisements? Yeah, that actually might be a good idea. Yeah, because like, look at look at the series, man. Like, both these teams got three all stars on them. We can't let a series like this end in a sweep. No, no, no. We gotta extend this to at least six to seven games. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'll I'll let the ref know and I'll I'll make sure he calls certain calls at, the, at certain points in the periods to make sure that the series swings in a, in different favors. Like I'm convinced shit like that happens, you know, because I I believe like rigging an entire, especially because I think NHL is the hardest sport to rig just because it's so complex with its rules and its play style. You know, because it's not like, uh, you know, it's not like the NBA or football or like soccer when uh, the play stops when a foul gets called. You know, like in a in hockey, right, a thing like a delay, like a someone will do something, then a penalty will come on, right? But the team who has possession of the puck is allowed to continue their offensive. Uh, their offensive attack on the team, right? So there's teams that have scored off of a delayed penalty, you know? So that's why hockey is one of the hardest sports to actually, like, rig an entire series. Just because there's literally shit like that that happens. You know, and it's complex that way. Right? Unlike the NBA, where, you know, you blow in somebody's ear, or uh, you accidentally touch their thigh because you're trying to swipe the ball away, right? They call a foul, and then, boom, guy goes to the line, depending on what it is, or the play stops completely, right? So they're able to do shit with the clock and, like, all this other shit and give the other team time to recover and, like, all that other shit, you know? So, like, I do believe, I do believe, and I'm not just being, <laughs> I'm not just being sore about this. I do believe that in, like, sports like football, hockey... And I meant sports like football, soc soccer, and uh, basketball, where it's uh, it's a lot easier to actually rig games, just because of the the difference between the rules. Because like I said, in the NHL, right, there's the delayed penalty, you know, there's things like that, and there's power plays as well. So it's more, it's way more complex. Way, way more complex. Because, like, you can, you can generally tell if a ref is up to shit in the NHL. You can't really tell if they're up to shit in the NBA or football or soccer just because it's just because of the rules and shit like that, how different shit is. Right? And actually, you know, and that's another thing that's on my mind that really confuses me. You know, I'm sure that there's going to be some asshole out there that's going to give a pretty, uh, who's going to think he's given a good explanation as to why, uh, a football is called a football. When you go in South America and Europe and places that are extremely popular for uh, football, which is uh, what soccer is over here. Because over here we call it soccer, but if you go anywhere else in the world, they call it football, which makes sense because you play the game with your foot. You know, you play the game with your foot. 
right? You play with your feet, you kick it, you pass it, you shoot it with your feet, right? So it's called football and it makes more sense that way, right? And in the United States, you know, it's called soccer, right? And football, NFL is called football, which is funny because you throw the ball. So I think it should be either called throw ball or something else besides from football. Because the only time you actually kick it is if you're kicking it to the other team or you're punting it or you're kicking it to get a field goal. And if that's the reason why they call it football, then that's so stupid because the majority of the game is just you running with the ball and throwing the ball and grabbing the ball and like trying to get a touchdown with the ball. And it's just like, ugh. North America, people like to do shit ass backwards because we think we're so unique, but we're not. At least not anymore. <laughs> yeah, fuck. That's funny. Anyway, uh, 51 minutes. Yeah, so I think I'll uh, end this episode right here. I just want to say, uh, once again, uh, thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, it's a privilege and uh, more or less it's an opportunity. And uh, it's why I'm grateful because, you know, like, without you guys and without the support, everybody who's been supporting me, you know, none of this would be possible, right? So, no matter where you guys are in the world, you know, no matter what's going on, no matter what traumas you're dealing with, no matter what issues you're going through, you know, even though there's times where you feel like you're going to go down, and there's times you feel like uh, you're just not strong enough, you know, don't listen, don't, don't listen to your head saying, like, don't listen to those things. Because the truth is you have the strength to take on the weight of the world. You know, all of us are brave, you know, and there's something unique about all of us. It's just, unfortunately, there's just some people who haven't figured out that they're unique yet. You know, so long story short, don't give up on anything and more importantly, don't give up on yourself. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a good night.